the Pro Tools Expert Podcast with Russ Hughes, James Ivey, and Dan Cooper. Good evening and welcome to Pro Tools Expert Podcast 325. I'm Mike Thornton. No, I'm not. Mike double booked. <laughs> so I'm Russ Hughes. Uh, I'm James Just Ivey. in case you had any chance of being mistaken. <laughs> Who else is here, here tonight? I'm James Ivey. <laughs> and I'm Dan. Now, I'm confused as well because I expected Julian to be on the show. So we were going to talk about Julian was out with us the other day and made a claim that was incendiary within the room. The SM57 is overrated. So we challenged him to come on the show and argue about that with us because we think that's he's wrong, quite frankly. Wrong. Anyway, <laughs> so he bottled it. No, not really. I got the days wrong. And so next time Julian's on the show, he is going to challenge us with that statement the sm57 is overrated if you like to comment on that before the show so we can throw your your petrol onto the fire as well <laughs> then please email us or uh, facebook us or twitter us or whatever you can uh, face twitter us or twit faces <laughs> twit book us uh, insta twit us yeah careful <laughs> oh it's all heading the right way so far boys and girls I, I was about to tell a story of a restaurant I was in the other night where they completely got it wrong but I can't because we'll probably lose listeners rather than get them anyway uh, deals we've got two great deals this month to tell you about it's the last few days Michael Carnes plug-in guru all around nice guy brain of a planet reverb air extraordinary reverb air <laughs> reverb make Have it you extraordinary been drinking? No, I, ha- I need to drink. It would be better for the show. He's having a sale. It's the summer sale. So put on your Speedos and head over to his site. No photos, please. And go and get one of his super duper products for 30% off. It's the last few days. And Michael isn't like Mr. Sale every week, closing down kind of bloke. He's doing two sales a year. So ends 30th of June and uh, in every time zone. So Synchro Arts are having a 30% off sale as well. All new licenses, upgrades and rentals for their flagship product, Revoice Pro 3 something. It's it's Revoice Pro 3. It's the latest version. <laughs> All this month, uh, there's a great video that Pete Barter has done, uh, which shows how he got uh, three singers into time and into tune with one another very quickly using Revoice Pro uh, in in Pro Tools. You also get three hours of free videos from Groove 3 to show you how to use it and to get the best from it. So don't forget to check those things out. And also don't forget to check out the deals on our partner deals page. We've slightly changed things because we felt like we were spamming the shite out of you all. That's a technical term (laughs) on Facebook. So Dan is making a kind of deals uh, uh, Mega roundup. Deals yeah. roundup, thank consumer you. Advice, you're, 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 <laughs> consumer advice. Consumer advice, may I add that before the lawyers <laughs> well, start uh, writing to us. <laughs> he does he does a he does a roundup once a week without a sheepdog of all the sales stuff. So uh I think it's Fridays, is it Saturday? Dan, when does it happen? Uh Saturdays. So yeah, yeah. keep your eyes yeah. open. Warm your for wallets that. up to Saturday morning. Yeah. Look down the back of your sofa for any loose change. Yeah, send your uh, wife yeah. out and tell her you're going to do you're going to do some bookkeeping uh, and then jump on yeah. the internet and buy some gear. James will tell you how to do it successfully. <laughs> uh, let's get on some talking points. These are sponsored by our friends at Universal Audio. Over to you, Fab. Good morning, children. This is Fab DuPont. The Pro Tools Expert Podcast Talking Points are brought to you with the support of Universal Audio. 
Thanks, Fab. Do your vocal recordings need more shine? And are you in the market for a new audio interface? If the answer to these questions is yes, now could be a very good time, because this one does end at the end of the month, to buy a new Universal Audio Apollo Twin as part of UA's new Apollo Twin Platinum Vocal Promotion. Buy an Apollo Twin Mark II solo and get Antares Auto-Tune real-time for free. Buy an Apollo Twin Mark II Duo or USB and get Antares Auto-Tune and the Manly Voxbox plugins for free. Russ, I know you like that one. Buy an Apollo Twin Mark II Quad and get Antares Auto-Tune, Manly Voxbox and the amazing Pure Plate Reverbs all for free. You can find out about this and other deals that the team at Universal Audio are running by visiting uaudio.com or by clicking the link in the podcast notes down there. Thank you, James. Talking point number one tonight, successful product ideas that Avid could have done more with. Go. <laughs> okay. James, okay. This, no, this is a serious point. We think on the team, there have been some killer products from Avid that just went nowhere. And it was like, they were fantastic products. Like, hands up who's got an 11 rack. Me, James yes. has got one. Uh, Dan, have you got one? You haven't got no, one, have I you? haven't. I yeah, haven't. there's something wrong with you. No, uh, I've got an AC30. That'll do me. You can't put it in a rack, mate, unless you use a big hammer. Uh, anyway, <laughs> any, so, any, anywho, James, y- you can have the floor first. Right. It, it, successful product. And and those who are listening, I know there's some of you listening now screaming at the show saying, you're dead right. That was one they should have done more with. The James, 11 rack. What are you starting with? And I will shut up now. I, I'm going to go with the 11 rack. It has to be the 11 rack because... I don't... I genuinely don't think they realised quite what they had until they had it. Um, we know that the guys who developed this particular product, we know their their history, and we know the products they've gone on to develop since leaving Avid, or being left by Avid, but a whole other story. Um, Mr. Sphere Microphone is one of the guys that worked on it. Exactly where I was kind of heading. Um, well, you can say, I don't think there's anything secret about that. No I don't more think than so. Bobby Lombardi, who's now, is he at uh, G-Tech? G-Tech, G- yeah. G-Force, G-Tech, G... G-string? I don't know which one it is. The hard drives. Um, There there was... We had our our moment in the sun when we had the updates to the 11 rack. We had some new models. We had a bass amp added in there. We had some new microphones, new effects pedals. Now, all those things have migrated their way into the 11 rack, the 11 plugin and as separate plugins in their own right. All the stomp box pedals are now part of Pro Tools, which is very, very cool. But the 11 rack genuinely had it all. We had all the digital connectivity we needed. We had a great sounding mic pre. We had fantastic effects. It was pro- properly good for live as it well, wasn't it? It was a really, you know, really it's, it's usable a good live box. Absolutely. I, um, the guitarist in my band used one live. Um, the, the daft thing is, they're still available. You can still buy one. And ridiculously, if you find a certain w- well-known online retailer... Why would you buy one ridiculously? Why wouldn't you just buy one being sensible? Well, sensible. Yeah. I'm, I'm close to buying <laughs> you were, another one. You were getting your words wrong there. You didn't well, mean buy them ridiculously. It's ridiculous the price you can the, get them The for, price you, you can get them for, for now. I'm eBaying now as you speak to see including, what the deal is today. No, but a brand new one, in, with which, Pro Tools. which comes with Pro Tools, is cheaper than buying Pro Tools. You heard Five, it six, here seven, first. Five six seven oh one. It would get you a new one. <laughs> yep. Uh, it says sponsored on that eBay. Does that mean that you get like every hour you play with it, you get like a quid from your Some money, money. <laughs> or something? <Yeah. laughs> something like that. Or, yeah. or someone keeps asking you to sponsor. But to, if, if you chip but into the sponsored swim, but forget forget and getting Pro Tools with it. 
but you can uh, you can get them for two hundred quid used. They it's... are. And the thing I want to say, James, is that the thing that you kind of did swept across very quickly is that you said it all comes now as plugins. It's not the same. The stuff. It's, it's okay. Not. It's the. It is the same. But the thing about the eleven rack was all this whole the way it worked with impedance on your guitar. So it worked like it, yeah. a real amp. And it, it and it sounds brilliant. It still sounds brilliant. Um, the thing is getting on a little bit. They still Ten years look, now. They still look fantastic. I had one of the very first ones to come into the UK. It's still going strong. It's never skipped a beat. It's a thing that's absolutely brilliant. There were rumours of a floorboard version, later updates. I even heard a floorboard version. Yeah, what a, you mean a, made of pine. Yes, Russ. Uh, yes, a, a pine version, a foot footboard mounted oh, foot version. Control. You don't yeah. mean a floorboard. Well, guitarists w- would know what I meant. Anyway, um, it was it was a massive opportunity to get into a huge, huge, huge market that they squandered. I think. I just found one on here, a, a, a brand new one in the box with an eye lock and Pro Tools for four hundred and fifty quid. That's insane, isn't it? Send me the link. I yeah. think I'll buy it. That's Cause, insane. Cause... You can't get Pro Tools for that, can you? No, exactly. With a uh, 2018 perpetual license. That's just insane. Yeah. Well, these are £1,000 new, weren't they? They They're were about, a 1000 no. quid new. Yeah, which was pretty good looking at... Well, if you remember back then, they were 003 racks and yeah. they were 1500 to two grand, depending on what one you bought. They were they were pretty good value for money back then, nearly ten years ago. So were they eight hundred quid when they were new? These boxes, they were, they about, were a thousand, about a thousand about quid, th- just shy of. And people were buying those. And the great thing was, you could track your guitar and stuff because Pro Tools came with it. And, and, and we forgot to say that it's also an audio interface. Yeah. Well, so yeah. you've got yeah. line ins, you've got digital IO. Um, it, it's a great, great box. You you can say so I still use it as a a preamp box going into real amps. You can output so many different ways you can tap the signal everywhere um there are probably 15 videos on our we made a load of videos we made a load of videos in my front room in london yeah when you're still still proud of them yeah and they still look great they sounded great um and those sounds i haven't tweaked apart from the guitar player but anyway um we've also not mentioned the 11 rack was orange can i say uh, i really hope it was called. It was technically called burnt orange. Yeah, well, okay, if they burnt it, that's that's their problem. They should have not cooked it for as long. It's as also it the did. only the only Avid product or DigiDesign product that doesn't say the word Avid or DigiDesign on the front panel. It just says Eleven Rack. Uh, but the other thing I I, the, I understand a little bit of the story is that they had too many chips from HD boxes and put them inside these boxes. Perhaps that's just an urban myth. No, if they you are, know the answer, they is are that true? H, they are HD chips. The reason. There's no um, one of the one of the, the early kind of oh it hasn't got pitch shifting in, and is because pitch shifting would have required another chip which would have pushed it over the thousand dollar mark. That's that's where that whole thing came from. Um, so yes, it, it was they were just under a thousand bucks, which ten years ago made them about actually about six hundred quid. I think, and I hoped they were going to make a keyboard version of it that would have had a load of the air instruments inside it. Because the other thing we have to mention as well that you can't get with the plugins, it was zero latency tracking of guitars. Yeah. Mm. And the other cool yep. thing was if you tweaked, if you were using it as your, your interface and you set up a, a really cool patch but didn't save it, 
the patch settings were burnt into the audio, the guitar audio recording. Yep. So you could just get back. If, and if you then went away from that patch or changed something again but didn't like it and wanted to get exactly back to where you were, you could pull the settings in from your audio file. That's how clever it was. Dantastic. What's on your list of things that Avid made that they could have done more with? Oh, I've got two, but I'm going to start with the biggie. I think the 004. Where yeah. the hell yeah. was it? That's- 003, 002. I own both of those. Uh, worked on 001 all those years ago. 004, if they made it, I would have bought it. I know it. I, I had have. a 003 uh, rack and, and so they were brilliant. Oh, the, the control surface. I'm sorry. That that was the, the one, uh, I think. The factory, the uh, eight fader, motorised fader I had one. Interface. I drove to Yorkshire from uh, Norwich to buy one. It's used. I think it cost me 2,000 quid. I had a 003 proper like slidey fader. I had, yeah. I had both at work. I had a 002 by my desk and then upstairs in one of the studio rooms with a 003. And the 002 had one of the major benefits over the three. You could use it as a standalone, standalone inter- yes. uh, mixer. It was yeah, brilliant. Which, which, one yeah. was, which one was that? Because perhaps I had a 002. The, the double two. Yeah. The black, it was a black one that was uh, had kind of like a silver face and the 003 was like a, a grey yeah. uh, shell with a dark grey Perhaps insert. I had a grey one then. But mine would work standalone as well. So you think that was the early one, That was James? the 002, yeah. Definitely, definitely the 002. Oh, so the I was the 2 because then I had to, Who had to replace the wiring harness? Yes. Me? No. Yeah, not, same. Not yeah, they were crap in that. Through the post, and I thought, well, I'm going to blow this thing up because uh, it, yeah, it wasn't like wiring a plug, but so many people did it. But the Digi 03, 0203 was just a class piece of gear. Uh, Firewire 800, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, Firewire 400. Firewire 400. It was just a dream machine, Uh, and I think one of the one of the seminal moments in the history of Pro Tools. Yes, uh, as products, and then I I think there are people still now. If you go into forums, who still are waiting for the 004, which is about as likely. Uh, well, let's look at how many brands have picked up from this. So we've got Personas with the Fader Port 8. Uh, we've got Icon Digital who do the 8 Fader little modular desks. They're about anything between 500 bucks to 1000 maybe a bit more. Uh, they're just controllers. But there hasn't been anything like the 003 factory control surface that has a built-in audio interface. Yeah, that's, now, the, yeah, that's the point about it, isn't it? That's the thing. It was an all-in-one package. And even Avid, when when, when they said, well, the next thing is going to be the uh, version 3 M-Box with an artist series controller, that was what they were selling as the alternative. Yes. It's like, no, that's two boxes versus one box. Yes. I know I got into trouble when I described the Apollo the first Apollo is the Digio 4, uh, because apparently that was a bit too close to the truth. <laughs> but in a sense, didn't the Apollo... If it, it didn't, I think a lot of us felt that the first Apollo was what the Digio 4 should have been, didn't we? The Digio 4 racking... Yes. In, in, in yeah. yeah. Uh, it, took, it took the audio quality to the next level. I can't say... You know, I can't say I ever went, oh, listen to the converters on that, or, you know, don't listen to the converters on that, on the, on the 002 or 003. They were perfectly usable. You can't usable. say things like that anymore. It's I know. Like the 70s. I know. You can't, you can't say things like that anymore. I know. Listen to that. In? Yeah. Look without. at the converters on that. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, that oh, it, was, it was such a missed opportunity to, take, to go to the next level. Now... You could Why say... You, okay, can I ask you a question? Why do you think they did not... Because I, for me, the Digio 4 would have been a Digio 3 with 
DSP inside it so you could track at zero latency. Not like a HD or a HDX or an Omni, because an Omni doesn't even do that. But you get but I think that's what I was hoping for that they were going to do next. A kind of step between the two native and HD. It would have given some people a chance to do you know what I mean everybody would have had a chance uh, to I think it was no, the no, it no. was it was an amazing product plan at the wrong time for Avid. It was it was Oh, I can say this. It was a. It was when Avid were in a very bad place. Um, personnel and were either leaving or being left. Um, being left. Yeah, it's a very nice way of saying being fired. Okay. Um, right. Being let go. Um, no, they they still had a job. The position just wasn't there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the corporate euphemism for it, isn't it? Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I prefer that we were being left by Avid. Um, and, and actually, they didn't have the people to do it anymore. They didn't have the people to carry on in the development for... Well, they didn't have the people to support the, the products they did have, let alone develop any new ones. And uh, genuinely, I think that's where the problem, where the rot yeah. starts to set in. I think it's that, and it's also round about that time, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Avid's owns euphonics just bought euphonics or just just, just acquired them. yeah so that's and these artists mixes artists controls there was also a, a similar one for colorists um, it had three little trackballs in it um, my friend bought one they were actually quite good that was euphonics and then avid obviously bought that company and uh, i think they just got lazy and thought well these things are similar in some respects to what we are, we've got with the 003 no uh, real R&D to go into this. Let's just bundle it with an inbox and call it the same thing. But there was quite a lot of R&D to go into it because they had to make Pro Tools speak Yukon. When they were before, and they st stuck this thing, these things with um, Huey, I actually liked the way the Huey integration... It wasn't Huey. It was, a spe it was its own protocol. Don't you remember? It wasn't Huey. There was, was something, its... there was something you no, had Digio to do to 2, it. Digio 2 was not Huey. It no, was no. its own protocol. No, but like to, to command to I'm talking about to get the, the artist series stuff to work with Pro oh, Tools right. before Pro Tools became properly... Euconized. Um, Euconized, thank you. There okay. was something you could do. A tissue. And it was, I think it was something to do with Huey. And I actually really liked the way it worked. Who is this guy that we keep talking about? Oh, some guy. Yeah. Um, and it, it worked really well. And then eventually they did Yukonize Pro Tools and it all worked better, theoretically. Uh, I think that was about the time when Mike and I got rid of ours because it didn't work better, theoretically. Well, the, isn't the whole claim about Huey that, uh, not Huey, isn't the whole claim about uh, Yukon? Obviously, that the resolution's higher and it's like MIDI could never do that. And this is like 10 times the resolution when you're doing. Uh, uh, automation and stuff. Although, and isn't it, I think it's a deeper integration in terms of the, uh, the actual. Uh, yeah. I, 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 I've heard these things. I've never witnessed it in action. Cause I don't, I don't sweat it when I'm working on my old C24 going, I really wish the resolution was better in my faders. I, it doesn't matter. I still so does C24 music. work like a command eight and a, and a Digio? It's got its own protocol. It, no, it's Huey. It's Huey. C24's Huey. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes, 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 yes. And I don't care. It works. Well, you don't think, oh, I'd better do that fade again because it was slightly less resolution than I hoped for. Yeah, I just want that, you know, I just want that DB, oh, I'll keep getting it wrong. No, none of that. You just get on with it. Um, I'm sure Yukon is better uh, if I had a Yukon desk. Um, well, this might be my second product, actually, that uh, Avid buried. Um, the C24. That's, yeah, that's now I've, gone. Yeah. <laughs> In fact, on another show, we'll talk about products they should have buried and they didn't. Because we've been a bit, we've slightly skirted around the whole 
uh, Yukon uh, Magi Mix or whatever those Ooh, control services were the called. Artist Mix and the Artist Control and think, yeah, yeah. Never have so many people on one team solder you solder <laughs> unit. Uh, and it's that one. Yep. Right then, uh, whose turn is it? James. I'll I'll go. I'll go. Um, back say once again in the dark times before the Empire. Um, M Audio was once part of Avid and, and licensed was, to print money. Yes, it certainly was. The, the you know the number one manufacturer of small keyboard or keyboard controllers, um, and they made an amazing thing called the Venom Synth. Uh, even proper synthesis guys liked this thing. Made I l- by a proper synth guy. Yeah. Made by the Andromeda guy, Mister uh, Taho Yamada. Taho Yamada. Thank um, you. And. And it went nowhere. It it was brilliant. It I've still got mine behind me on because it it does make some amazing sounds. It was synthesis that I could understand. I loved the thing. It made some crazy noises, and and it was really easy to get down and get dirty with sounds and patches and stuff. And nothing. Not even when M Audio was sold to In Music, did they ever do anything with it either. So. Uh, who knows what they were thinking? They came up with something—a moment of genius—and now it's gone. Again, that was an audio interface as well. It had a basic, um, it had a mic pre in it. It had a, a stereo input over phonos in it. It was a great little box. It was a great key, great, great sounding keyboard with an audio interface in it. Just, it was, it was right when they, they were doing some amazing stuff. I remember that Nam. We had a new version of Spalius. We had the Eleven Rack. We had the Venom Synth all on the same booth. And it was a real buzz because people weren't just looking at one product. The, the big names were coming and looking at three products on the booth. It was incredible. And sadly, they've all gone. It was an ace synth. Yeah. Here's the here's the depressing bit about the M-Audio story in Avid. Avid purchased M-Audio uh, for $174 million in 2004, then sold it to InMusic, uh, I think, what? several years ago now i think for 17 million it was not their finest hour wasn't it uh no but again it was in the a, a very dark time for avid uh, i think they were either reevaluating or reassessing or just ballsing up their business model um things are better now things are more streamlined things are simpler but back then it was not a good time i think getting rid of Getting rid of M Audio was a very poor move. Yeah, but coming back to the synth before we get to go too deep in the business thing, which I that was the rabbit hole I took us yeah. down. Yeah. Uh, the the Venom was a cool synth. It was so gutsy, so powerful, so easy to use um, to make some incredible noises. Um, so even I could understand it. Even I could get in there and show it doing some really cool stuff, make some really cool noises with it. And that's, let's face it. That's what a synth's supposed to be. It's supposed to be mental to me. A synthesizer is not supposed to be something that's sensible and, and, um, restrained. It's supposed no. to be out there and, and, yeah. you know, take, tear your face off at every opportunity. The filters on that thing sounded amazing. Yeah. This synth was like, it dropped its trousers in front of you, didn't it? And said, look at the state of this. Yeah. It really was seriously, seriously gutsy synth. I saw the prototype one time when I was in Germany, it was in black. It wasn't white. I think the white, the, the white thing was a moment of inspiration because yeah, all these colored synths were coming back. You had the, the Nord stuff, which was bright red. Um, and this was this was Avid and Tahoe going, 
we'll make a white one then. And do you know what? It was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant piece of kit. I still use it. It still appears on tracks even now. So, so yeah, I think that was a definite miss. Let me throw it in the pot. I don't think I've ever done enough with Thunderbolt. Uh, I know they made the Thunderbolt box that meant you could then use... Uh, native. Yeah. Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt native. native. Mm. That was it, wasn't but it? I, yeah, that was it. But they, why didn't they make a chassis that you could load with? To be honest, that would have, we wouldn't have had half the, the, the Ferrari about things like the, the, the Mac the Mini or the Trash yeah. Can yeah. and all of that. If Avid had made a Thunderbolt equipped box, you could put your HDX cards in. They would have straight away taken a load of business from Sonic and all those other brands. Uh and it wouldn't it wouldn't it be cool to have a uh, even now to have a Thunderbolt powered HDX system? Yeah, yeah, I'd buy it. I'd everybody buy it, would that, buy it. Know, everybody, buy it. It, it, yeah. it, it would be a line of such least resistance. I've never understood why because Avid anyone who read. was spending serious money, it would make the iMac Pro an investable machine for Pro Audio because you would have all you'd have lots of lovely power in in a, in a glued together machine but you'd then thunderbolt out to your avid chassis which would have all your audio io and connectivity in it yeah would have yeah, been a so perfect solution you would just, and as i say you could have you could have had, you could have just basically i don't know even retrofit cards or something for some of their mm. gear. Like yeah. imagine an Omni mm. with a Thunderbolt port in it or something like that. Although the Omni's dead as well now. Or even if it had, do you remember when when the one nine twos had option cards? Yep. Where where you could put your own option cards in. So you bought you bought a Thunderbolt equipped I/O and then you spec'd it with the cards, which which gave you the type of connectivity that you needed. A bit, you know, a bit, like the Apogee stuff. Yeah. Don't they do that? Yeah. The big, the big aperture, I forgot yeah. the name of it. The Symphony. Symphony. Symphony yes, they should have yes. made a box called the HTX Thunderbolt. Yeah. That would have sold bucket loads. Bucket loads. They probably would have if the native card took off. I don't think that did. I don't think that was that popular. No, I don't think it did either. I think people... It was, once again, it was at a time when... when Avid, a side word for Avid was confusion about the product line. The number of emails and questions we were getting through to the podcast said that, you know, how, how do I connect this to this? What what box do I need to buy to make this and this work? Um, it You know, it was a staple response. Eric must have had half a dozen emails saying, no, that doesn't go, you know, staple um, stock answers. Yeah, saying template. Yeah. yeah, this goes to this. <laughs> yeah. No, this goes to this. Shut it. That. Yeah, yeah. Cut yeah. and paste replies. Yeah, yes. no, this isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Dan, you had another one, didn't you? Yeah, it's the mid uh, mid size control surfaces. So I did touch on this a minute ago, but things like the Control Twenty Four that was in the middle of things like the Digi O Two and the Icon. Uh, the icon being sixty grand plus, if I remember correctly, along those yeah, lines. Lots of money. Yeah. Um, large format consoles, uh, uh, control surfaces, and your desktop eight-track stuff. So the stuff that sat in the middle. So the Control 24, the C24 that's now obviously <clears throat> not being made Anyway. And, uh, yeah, but there's nothing else. And I'm sorry, the is it called the S3, isn't it? Yeah, that's they the argue S3. the S3 is the one. That is not it. I'm sorry. That, that's, that in my opinion, is just uh, a slightly tarted up live desk. Which well, is. to be fair, it's, it's, a sli- it's a slightly bigger yeah. uh, artist mix. Yeah, yes, it is, it is. But it was originally a live desk yeah. that they had to build a, a separate iPad dock to go on the side of this thing that kind of gave you the basic yeah. functions of a control surface, yeah. like 
transport, for crap's sake. So that's not a cheap option, I don't think, um, to, to go from something like this to that. And you're missing lots of things that you used to get on these mid-size uh, Avid digital design control services, like a meter bridge. They're bloody useful. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, for me, looking forward down the line, there isn't anything like a C24 control 24 out there that's uh, reasonably priced. And, you know, these are 10 grand back in the day to buy one of these C24s. So I thought that was worth every penny. Uh, same with the control 24. I thought that's worth every penny, but that isn't, something in their line anymore and not many brands out there now are trying to i don't know make anything like it so a bit of shame a bit of shame yeah it is it's definitely one that's that seems i think it's 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 sat really well in the education market education market guys, and, yeah, and those like who were who would but definitely bigger than what you might refer to as a project or home studio but yeah. weren't about to go and fork out 60 grand 60 for grand either a con, for an analog console or yeah. for an icon or these days would yeah. be a um an S6 or S6. you know one of those yeah, yeah, a yeah. big format control surface yeah, and there were great bundles as well because yeah. you could got you could get this with an HDX cards and an interface. I think around about fourteen grand. That's and the why truth many the schools is, just bit their arms off. You over didn't it. have to. You didn't have to run it with HD. No, you could run right. it alongside an Mbox because it's a control surface. Now you'd on which one's the newer one? It's the C twenty four. Is the newer one? C twenty four. Yeah, there was a lot of I/O and connectivity on the back of that thing. I remember yeah. specking the connectivity kit for it for when we had a uh, Sibelius and the connectivity kit for all the cabling was nearly 2000 quid for all yes. the D subs and things. Yeah. Um, but you didn't have to use that. You could just use it. Ethernet and your, yeah. off, and it was yeah. your control surface. And then you had your master stereo output from your, your M box, yeah. for example, because yeah. I remember doing well, that at a trade show. Well, no, I had this uh, Ethernet into the Mac and my audio interface at the time was my Digi003 factory control surface. Yeah. That gave me uh, 24 plus 8 um, faders. It was brilliant. It was really, really cool. So, yeah, it's just uh, they've killed it. Um, they are clearly not interested in that, uh, this sort of style control surface anymore. Um, I think that's a real shame because lots and lots and lots of people bought the Control 24. But do you think that's um, from a different generation? Do you think, so I sit in my studio now and I'm using a fader port 8 and stuff and an iPad. Do you think? That's great. Uh, and, and Dan, of course, you have you have particular needs because of your eyesight. So I'm guessing that physical controllers are so important to people like yourself. But although Dan, James went and basically got a shoe on to get a mixing desk into his studio as well. So I did not get a shoehorn. <laughs> it fitted perfectly. Well, no, what made me laugh about that, James, is when I was talking to you on the phone, you went, I'm considering a crane. <laughs> I was. I was actually considering a crane to get it lifted over the house. I would, I would, if that was going to happen, I would have come down and just watched just to watch I, your face. Just, I was oh. I was considering a crane because I've seen it done with 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 uh, like you know like big, um, yeah, like SSLs going yeah. inside of buildings. And yeah, things. yeah, yeah. But I thought, do you know if it's not going to fit around the corners? And I didn't know how, things like the legs came off and the frame was separate and things like that. Um, if there was those kind of discussions, I was going to get a, a crane in for an hour just to drop it over, lift it over the roof, straight into the back garden. Jobs are good. And, <laughs> as it turned That's out, didn't need that. I suppose people go into go into like commercial studios, and that's interesting because we've done a survey recently about how people work, and a lot of people working from home now. So, 
I guess do people not want to? I suppose if somebody turned up at my studio, studio and saw a Fader Port Eight and turned up at your places, guys, they'd probably think, "Well, actually, mine isn't a real studio." Do you think that's still that thinking in the kind of clientele world? Uh, I don't think. I so. think it depends on your clients. Yeah, I think if you, if yeah. you're booking, if a singer songwriter is coming into to any of our studios, I don't think they're going to think twice. I think, I think there is something. So I, I don't know how much band tracking you do, Dan, but it is because obviously drums is That's quite, why I bought it. That's quite why I bought yeah. this. But I, I mean, needed that for the bands. Yeah, I, I needed lots of inputs, lots of lovely mic pre's, uh, which is uh, and I love the console workflow for tracking. Now I've had this discussion with many people, although a, a great many who mix in the box and work in the box, they all say for tracking a console is just quicker. Not not better, but quicker. And as tracking is what I do a lot of, that's why I bought a console. Not for vanity, not for the look of the thing, although I do think it looks king cool. Um that's why I bought it. And because the and because the option came up to buy it. Um someone dig me out of this. Does someone dig me out of this hole, please? <laughs> Oh, there's more. a good one. There's I've a great one. one. Sorry, Better put, if you can spell it. Spell Dan's it. Typing. I know. I'm not. I can't even see the screen from where I am at the minute. So yeah. So I've just put this on the. Dan just put pro- just put cloud collaboration. <laughs> I think my screen's where that. I am. Why did Avid not do more with cloud collaboration? Yeah, um, I've, re- I've fixed it with spool checker. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> which is something you use on an old tape machine. A spool Funny. checker. Cloud collaboration. Yes. Um, we weren't sure about this before it came out. We, we tested it. We tested it. It was a live test. It was a real, real test. And we were very impressed with it. We just thought it needed maybe some more development, some more love, something. The chat more... needed to look like, to stop looking like something out of yeah, MSN from 1986 or something like that. Yeah. 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 yeah I got needs... fed up of people just about to track a base going, what are you wearing? Oh, God. Yeah. It, lol. <laughs> um, lol. It was, it, the, the whole yeah. system is dated. It's are dated when it came out and it looks like it's all just, you know, it's just that background feature that Pro Tools will always have probably, but no one's going to use it, which is a bit of a shame because it was a big promise to us back then, you know, this is what we, uh, you know, this is what we're going to give to the Pro Tools users. Everyone was kind of keen to try it. Not a lot of people did, uh, I don't think. And I think it's a bit of a shame because it is cool. It's just not magical. It came with too many caveats and it was way too late in the day when they tried to sort those caveats out and fix them. And then, of course, there was the fact that the people who Avid are trying to appeal to now, the big post-production facilities, will never use it because of the security risks. Yeah, I think that the, 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 it's, this is old school Avid because we have to say that new school Avid is so much better they wouldn't make the same mistake again. But it was in a period where Avid used to, it was like Pro Tools first when it first came out. It had so many things that you could and couldn't do and all sorts of stuff that it was like, it, it was it was like getting a prenup every time you're trying to marry someone. It was just, uh, yeah, it was just too convoluted. The plans were, were unrealistically costed. Uh and again, I, I think that I think cloud collaboration is like self-driving cars. It's on paper a great idea, but in reality, I don't know. Some people, if you use it out there, tell us, tell us, please prove me wrong. But I don't believe that 99% of the people would use it in the way that they I would also love it. to find out if anyone's ever made any money through it. Because that, again, that was the big sale about the art. 
if you'll pardon the obvious joke, that was their big pitch about the artist yeah. community was yeah, that yeah, people yeah. would be able to sell their tracks and license their music. I've never heard of that happening. Again, if no. you're if you're one of those people, please let us know. We would love to hear from you, and we'd probably like to award you something. But several companies tried it. It was the other company that tried it that we we did some work with about three or four years ago. Uh, I can't remember them now. Some American company that tried to do cloud collaboration where you could like find a bass playing it to track for you and he'd send you the tracks and stuff like that. I'm still using Dropbox, guys. Wait, well, wait, I yeah. do use Dropbox. It works with clients all over the world. That's how, when I'm not doing the product expert thing, production expert thing, that's what I'm doing. I'm working for clients all over the world. And I bet 99% of the time they Dropbox stuff to you. It's, it's Dropbox. There are, other, there are other file sharing services. Yes, but, it's, yeah. but yeah. let's face it, it's mostly Dropbox. You, yeah. you don't go onto a search engine, you go onto Google. You don't vacuum your house, you hoover it, don't you? Let's face it. But don't you think the whole thing was just such a massively over-engineered idea? Well, basically, all we really should have wanted to do was that if I'd have created that system, I would have made a version of Pro, something in Pro Tools that said, you're going to collaborate right, we're going to burn you a, uh, we're going to burn you a stereo mix now of the track, which the other person can hear and get down, track to, and then it will upload the new files to you. Yep. I don't need to hear everything on somebody's session like their or cowbell and the shaker making. and the mm. dog fart. I don't need all of that from somebody's session. Uh, mm. I just need a good, and that's how it works for me. Somebody, I say to say to James, "Can you track me some drums? Here's the st- here's the session. Here's the timing. BPM. Here's the yeah. track. Yeah. yeah, away you yeah. go. Or if I want a bass player to put some stuff down, I'm not going to send him the whole session. It's just pointless." Yeah, it doesn't doesn't make things easier or better. Now, okay, you could argue, well, you can mix it so you can hear things better. Well, uh, you don't. You do not. The, the save thing you copy need to, as send the, the thing you project. need to be able to worry about is the volume of the click. And if you're the drummer, you need to be able to hear the bass, and that's it. You can do. You can tweak the click as long as it's on its own channel. And if you need to hear the bass more, turn the bass up on the EQ, and it works. So you can make sure you stay ahead of it. Just enough. Yeah. Just enough. Right then, I think we've... D- d- anyway, for those <laughs> oh, listening to blimey. the show, please comment, please send it in. The point was, this wasn't an avid bashing session. This was a... Because uh, avid right now are doing a survey, what would you like more from us? Now, they probably won't go revisit anything we've talked about tonight, but th- there have been some fantastic things they've done. And these are all great successes that they could have done more with. That we anyway. all say that we would have bought more uh, but if I, they developed them. I think they all got... T- caught up in in Louis blooming vanity every year project uh and that there we go and we all know how that one ends yes. don't we yes <laughs> Dan, competitions competitions we've teamed up with Dyn Audio Pro and Audio Distribution Group ADG to give you the chance to win one of six pairs of Dyn Audio Pro LYD Ooh. studio monitors in this very special two part competition check out the story to learn more about this uh, very special competition and uh, how it works uh, link in the show notes and also to celebrate the launch of studio one four we've teamed up with universal audio for one lucky person to win one of their amazing arrow thunderbolt 3 audio interfaces for mac and windows again link in the show notes guys second talking point of the night do your mixes pass the sonos test for those that go and read the article on the site, we want you to go and read it because we don't want to get to, to, into too much detail here on the show. Guys, before this article went live that Julie and I put together, 
Julian, not Julie, uh, Julian and I put together. Were you aware of this with these speakers? Yes. So you knew that it summed left and right? Yes, because I've got some. Oh, right. So you'd already experienced this issue. I had experienced this this issue because one of my mix-checking tests was to take um, a track into the house and listen to it through the Sonos speakers. And you got two then? We ha- you- I have two. Uh, I ha- originally had them set up by the TV as my left and right for the telly stroke hi-fi. And then I spread them out throughout the house. But because I still had the particular patching sort of the, the, the memory for I could put make I could make them into the living room speakers again. I can listen to them as left and right or as two individual monos Separate in ones, in their yeah. own rooms. <coughs> Excuse me. So one of the things I I do is I check them in mono and check them in stereo. And it's mm. it's very interesting. Mm. Dan, were you aware of this before we, we bought it? No, up on the show? I, I wasn't. My daughter's got one, uh, but she just listens to her teenage music on it. Uh, so I don't test music on on uh, the Sonos, but I do check my stuff in mono all the time uh, in the studio. It's it's an important part uh, of the process. You got to hear for problems. You got to. Is that check only because stuff. we've always been told we should? Or is um, that? Yeah, we're, we're, ah. but don't forget we're now we're from a school that where we were taught this. Yes. But there's a new generation that don't know about this, and, and don't don't think stereo is the, is the next big thing, or or stereo is the way to mix, and that mono is pointless because nobody needs mono anymore. Uh, the statistics were frightening when we went and found the, the numbers. So in 2016, 40 million units. Uh, were Amazon devices and uh, Amazon Echoes and Sonos uh, have 50% of the market as well. They reckon that by by 2022, 90% of all Wi-Fi speakers will be these. Yeah. And the point where we're point, it's it's nuts. And I, dickhead of the week award goes to some guy on Facebook who went, I'm not going to start mixing for some shitty speaker that nobody uses. And you think, did you actually read the story? <laughs> Is that if you don't check your mono compatibility, then it's your own fault when it sounds like shite on all yes. these speakers. Even taking these particular brands and speakers out, out of the equation, um, when you're when you're listening to music away from a work environment, which room in the house do you listen to music in? The worst room on purpose. And that's a conservatory. Okay. Uh, uh, well, yeah. So for me, it's the kitchen. Because, and are you, you know, talking about where do I listen to my music most? Or are you saying how do I test my mixes? No, I'm, I'm saying where do you consume music? In my kitchen. In the on kitchen. A, on a single Sonos on speaker. A, and this yep, is how this whole story started. Exactly. We've got a, a cheap Sony DAB digital radio. Um, single speaker? Single speaker. And that, and again, it's, it's the same story. It's a single speaker. And so ignore mono at your peril. Don't think that all these devices do some clever thing that takes stereo and keeps it stereo right up into the last minute. Cobblers. Um, mono is important. Why are we involving that industry in this conversation? Shoemenders, I know. Shoemenders. Shoemenders unite against James's ignorance against, yes, exactly. their, against their skill. <laughs> um, uh, and don't forget bedside charging devices that have speakers built yep. in for your, for your phone. Do you know what I mean? Uh, phones as well, phone speakers. This has yep. been around for donkey's years now. You think about uh, people listening to 
kids listening to music on phones. On the bus. Uh, on the too bus. loud. Yeah, but to yeah, be fair, but, they are stereo, actually, because I did this, I've put the Sonos test on my iPhone, and it, and it works re- it, 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 it works properly, uh, but unless you put it into accessibility mode and, and make it mono, and then it, and then it, stuff disappears. Right. Yeah. Interesting. Do Tell you know us why- if you've been doing the tests. Uh, 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 whether you whether this article was a surprise to you, uh, or whether you knew everything already, there is another benefit to uh, checking your mix in mono outside of everything that's in this article. Uh, go read it if you haven't read it yet. Um, I like to mix in mono early on, and I like to do it again later into a mix because it really helps me to set levels. So my ears aren't getting too distracted by all the subtleties of wide reverb and, you know, the top end in overheads on um, drum uh, mics and things like that. You put it into mono and you can, well, I find it piss easy to get the lead vocal planted exactly where it needs to be. I I second guess myself when I'm working in stereo when I'm doing that. What do you find? Do you guys do any of those sort of tricks for setting your levels? I didn't tell me. I don't know this trick you're talking about. Just put it in mono. Just put it in mono. And I find it easier to set my levels, uh, especially for important tracks like vocals, electric guitars, mono stuff, bass, all of that. I find it so much easier to do that in mono than out in stereo. My ears just focus to the level of that instrument, as opposed to trying to work out if that level's right in a stereo field. And I showed this trick to Georgie, who's been mixing now for six months, and she's been she struggled with this. Her vocals are either way too loud or way too quiet. So stick it in mono. And she's been doing that ever since, and she can just do it straight away. Perfect. Another trick is just put it in the middle of what you had it at. <laughs> it's not always that easy, especially if you're doing automation. I've been pedantic. I, I know you are. Uh, uh, although that's not legal in Northern Ireland, can I tell you, uh, at the moment. But we're fighting for it. Uh, for those that don't know that I live in Northern Ireland and we have some really weird laws that make us go back to the dark ages, but uh, there, therein lies another discussion. Uh, but I did not, did, I've never thought of sticking it in mono to kind of get the mixed levels right yeah. and then taking it back out. Yeah. So you're saying they'll be better in mono. So if you get them right in mono, they'll work in stereo. Yes, that's what I find. Okay. Works for me. Works for me. Try it. I'm going to try, try that on a narration track I'm doing tomorrow morning. Give it a see. try. Yeah, and then you take it out, take it into stereo, and you go perfect. But that might actually work. Joking apart, I do a lot of video work where I've got a video and a music, uh, sorry, a, a dialogue and a music bed, and I wonder if it helps for that where you're trying to get the balance of those two right. That's a good point. Uh, a good we point. might have a trick coming. Might have mm. a trick up our sleeve or two. Anyway, we are running out of time with a rolling R. Uh, feedback from the community. Uh, again, this is still sponsored by no one. But we're still going to do it. <laughs> I didn't go there tonight, guys. Thank, thanks for that. Yes, um, Julian, you can leave the lack of expletive in as well. Um, I will start with Peter Wright, who says, "Hi, thanks heaps for sharing your extensive real life experience with Pro Tools and its various environments of use. It's been invaluable assistance." I'm writing to you because I am fortunate to own a brand spanking new Dell XPS 15 i9. Uh, that's a PC to you Mac people. I thought it was um, a Fiat oh, sports car. With carry on. 32 gig of lovely RAM. And the first thing uh, of note I loaded into it was the latest version of Pro Tools. I don't yet have a super professional IO, um, but I'm waiting for... 
a Thunderbolt, Thunderbolt 3 IO to arrive and to settle in a bit. He's basically waiting for someone else to try and break it break before it first. He, he Very, he very interface. sensible. Yes. Yeah. So I tried to start using just ASIO for all and selected the Windows audio. It failed. Of course Not it good. did. Of course it did. Of course it did. It always does. Yeah. Um, tried the advice on the net uh, from Avid um, forums but without much luck. I then hooked up through a USB to my Behringer RX18 and bingo. XR18. XRX18. That is a car. Um, XR18 and bingo. Obviously, I installed the audio drivers for the Behringer. Spot on. No issues. In a few days, I've been using it. Um, I took it to church this morning because that's where you pray for these things to work, I suppose. Um, via the USB cable. Plugged it into the back of the Yamaha TF3 console. Obviously, I installed the Steinberg USB drivers and recorded 32 tracks for about 90, to, 90 minutes straight with no hitches, which is nice. Uh, yet to do the mix down and it's early days, but I still can't believe how well it's working. Just wanted to let you know um, all this and add to your arsenal of general knowledge on gear and combinations and how they are working together. Pros, cons, etc. Hoping this is useful for some of the Pro Tools community. Uh, you've helped me so much over the years and it's a joy to be able to contribute something, however small. Best regards, Peter. Thank I you. will say, Alan, our Windows PC expert, says, uh, nice laptop. It's the supercharged, slimmed down version of mine that I reviewed for Production Expert. Best bit of advice I can give regarding ASIO for all is that if your interface already has ASOI drivers, ASIO drivers, use the manufacturer's drivers first. I, c I only use ASI, uh, ASIO for all uh, if I want to use my laptop's built-in audio, as although Pro Tools on Windows has the option to use the Windows sound drivers like Core Audio on a Mac, I've never managed to make it work successfully. On my laptop rig, I'm currently using a Thunderbolt 3 to Thunderbolt 2 adapter and Thunderbolt 2 to Firewire adapter to use my Motu Ultralight Mark III hybrid on bus powering. When you first plug in the Thunderbolt to Firewire adapter, Windows says that it's not certified, but it works absolutely fine. There's nothing new. Uh, this is nothing new. See my Will It Work on Windows series, for example, the Thunderbolt devices that work on Windows. Thunderbolt 3 is turning out to be a massively versatile interface for both Mac and Windows, and my advice would be to go and explore. As a footnote, some of my USB-C accessories also work fine on my wife's Sony Android phone. Another example of how versatile this is. Great. That's great advice from Alan. Not we on the show that. tonight, but he is, I say, a uh, Pro Tools PC expert, which is fantastic, and uh, Mr. Windows. There we go. Anyway, let's go to questions from the community. This is sponsored by RSPE Audio. The Pro Tools Expert Community Feedback is brought to you with the kind support of RSPE Audio Solutions. Great people and great prices. RSP Audio uh, are proud to announce the new ASC Nano Attack Wall. It's a mini version of the ASC Attack Wall that takes all of the acoustic benefits of its bigger brother and shrinks them down to fit on your desktop. Get a reliable, repeatable and accurate sonic space that's extremely portable so you can take it with you when you move or work in another studio. Learn more at the RSP Audio website in the link in the podcast notes. Cliff Jones. Hi, guys. Thanks for doing such a great job keeping us informed and entertained. We do our best, Cliff. I am trying to get some singing onto the show, but they're resisting me. 
Can't think uh, why. <laughs> he wants entertaining, and let me entertain you. Just wanted to drop you a line. As I was browsing the Avid website recently, you noticed there's a big difference between the pricing of Media Composer compared to Pro Tools. Also, there are options to subscribe to Ultimate month by month, and even a discounted option for a three-year subscription. The three-year subscription being only slightly more than a one-year subscription for Pro Tools Ultimate. Could you shed any light on to why there's such a massive difference in price? Is it... Is it the PT? Is it the Pro Tools user base is too small? Are R and D costs that much more expensive? Uh, have a look for yourselves. Uh, yeah, dispar- the disparity in a sense is what he's talking about here. It's a good question. I don't know the answer. Perhaps we should reach out to Avid and ask them, uh, guys. It doesn't seem to make sense, does it, that you can buy Media Composer? It was Composer. always the other way round. Media Composer was used to be the more expensive platform, mm. like a lot more expensive. I don't know at which point these tables were turned. Because I thought I thought the video side was the big side of Avid. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we always sort of felt as though Pro Tools was kind of like the forgotten cousin sometimes, quite a lot of the times. Uh, very competitive. They have to be these days uh, in the in today's market of DAWs. Is Cliff saying it's more to get Pro Tools or less? I think more he's saying to, it's more, more to get Pro Tools. It's more significantly. Expensive. Yeah. I don't know why that would be. One one to raise with our friends at Avid, perhaps. Uh, we will. We're going to go back to Avid and ask them uh, why Pro Tools users aren't loved as much as Media Composer users. And we'll, we'll see if they give us an answer. Might be a short one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Frank Blasnick. That's, what a great name. Hi, it's Frank Blasnick. Uh, he should be a detective, shouldn't he, with a name like that? Hi, Frank Blasnick. Frank Blasnick here. It was 4 a.m. in the morning. He might he might have been in a former life. Anyway. Anyway, great name, Frank. Wish I had it. Mine's a pretty crap name. Uh, it's the way it goes. Genetics, parents, all that. <laughs> <laughs> hello. This is Frank now, not me. I've already said hello at the start of the show. I think some time ago I saw once that you presented a tool, probably a plug-in, to organise sound samples in a huge library. I've many diverse sample libraries, hundreds of kick drums, snares, FX, etc. And as the library grows, it's more and more hard uh, to find the right sample from where I know it exists. Uh, but I can't find it. Uh, do you still remember the name of that tool? In case I've, I have it wrong in my mind, maybe you have other good suggestions. On, the, on a side note, I'd like to keep the relation to its original source uh, so company where it came from. But on the other side, I'd like to add more attributes to specific and relevant samples. Uh, same issue with plugins. I, I lose, Basically, what Frank needs some help organising the monster stuff. So I've done about you. I've got I've got a four terabyte drive with more samples than you can shake a stick at. Amen. Uh, and, I, and, and I don't know what the hell's on there. And he's right. Uh, so Mike has an answer, Dan, doesn't he? Yes, he does. He does. Uh, Mike says, oh, you've, got, think, you've got one too. And so both, one well. both of them, please, Dan. Yes. Uh, Mike uh, says, I think this was the new tagging and uh, librarian uh, in, introduced in their uh, Pro Tools 12.7. Uh, I agree with Mike. This sounds about right. Um, check that out. We'll put a link in the show notes. But I've got an alternative, and that is uh, Loop Masters Loop Cloud 2. This enables users to uh, store their samples in as well and that's a fantastic fantastic um software for all of that stuff but you get the added benefit of something like 150 new loops added for free every week if i remember right Don't does it let you do your own yet though because in the earlier version it didn't and no, i wish it this. did in, in two you can you can 
you can now add your own samples. Yeah. Because I've just hit, I've just, perhaps I've not updated mine because I've just hit the plus sign to add my own drives and I can't add my own drives to it, which I'd love to be able to. Mm, that uh, sounds, that's not what I was uh, led to believe. Uh, I'm pretty sure. Uh, how do I check? Samples. I, I don't think you can do your own at the moment, Dan. Don't do own. Uh, I've also crashed it by trying to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm just crashing it. And I'm going to reopen it again. We are now doing an, a live test. A live test. test. <laughs> yeah, there's a, the, on mine, there's a... How, would I, how do I know which version I've got? Loot Cloud. Where's the about? It doesn't give me an about. Click on the logo. No. So there's a plus option, but the plus option doesn't let me add drives to it, which is what I want to do. When they do that, that would be ace of base. Right. Is that well, all that she wants? Does yours? <laughs> well, we can always reach out to the guys at Loot Masters, ask them for confirmation on that. Uh, well, ask them when it's coming, Dan. And, and, well, yeah, that's well. I'm pretty sure we, we might just be missing something because we are live and things go wrong live. We could be wrong. Uh, tomorrow's it was work. Known, <laughs> it, yeah, we could be wrong. I once was in 1994. It was a Tuesday. It was a Tuesday. And I thought it was a Wednesday. That's what I got wrong. Chris Brady. Hi, PTE staff. Hi. Love your show and listen every week. I'm going to say a special hello, Chris, to you now. Don't blush on the train. <laughs> we think you're lovely. Just enjoy this moment, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Look around you. Just, just stick your thumbs up to people around you and say they're talking about me now. Yeah. Because we appreciate you, Chris, more than you'll ever know. More, than, more than the person next to you will know as well. If ever you feel like nobody cares about you, Chris, we do. Listen, listen to this podcast <laughs> listen again. To this, rewind this. <laughs> and we will remind you of all the good things in your life. <laughs> Mainly us. I'm currently running a MacBook Pro Retina. Probably even as he's listening now, he's probably Blimey. listening. And he's going, this is spooky. I'm currently running my MacBook Pro Retina and they're saying I am. What's the chance of that? Retina 13-inch, late 2013 model. I don't know why they say that in the model names. Do you, is it like they, they delivered it late? Uh, it's, I, I've got yeah. a late... I've got a Mac Pro to late 2013. Uh, anyway. Anyway, 2.6 hertz Intel Core i5, 16 gig of RAM, 251 gigabyte internal HD with 111.7 gigabyte available. Wow. Accuracy... Is Chris's strong point. Yeah. Yeah. Chris is specifically accurate. Another good point about you, Chris, if anybody ever doubts you, tell him you're accurate. Also, I'm running a three terabyte glyph. Well, you weren't that accurate there. You just rounded that one up <laughs> for my for HD for my Pro Tools session backups, virtual instruments, iTunes and iPhoto 1.83 available. Well done. Back well on done. Form. He's back on, he's back on his accuracy numbers. <laughs> I wish you could have gone to a fourth digit there. That would have made us really sure of how much data he had left. Anyway. I have an Apple. Oh, he's still going. If he's on the train with all this gear, flipping heck, he's got a <laughs> lot of battery life going on here. I have an Apple three terabyte time capsule to back up both drives and my older MacBook Pro. Makes sense having a time capsule for older gear, doesn't it? Do you make, see what I'm doing there? 250 gigabyte HD, 117 gigabyte available. Still with us, everybody. Yeah. Uh, my time capsule has only 4.2 gigabytes available and is no longer able to back up my drives. If I were to get a new drive, what would you recommend? 
I have Thunderbolt. Do I need an SSD drive if I'm working mostly from home? The SSDs seem to be more expensive for a smaller storage capacity. Is there a company model storage capacity you would recommend? I need to back up all my drives. I also need to back up off-site. You dare, you do, Chris, definitely. Backup in one place is not a backup at all in our, in our advice. James would give you a tear-jerking story about that one. Um, Moving on. <sighs> do you have a company you would recommend? I do get worried about off-site backups in regard to backing up my whole system. How does everybody feel about personal photos being stored off-site? I obviously want to take all efforts to have them backed it's up. Facebook, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm worried about another company having access to my personal photos. And what if there was they were somehow hacked and the photos were stolen? Well, we don't know what's on the photos. So anyway. We're sure they're appropriate. Would love to hear your recommendations and takes on everything. Thanks, Chris. That is a fantastic email that took me longer than it should have to read, but well worth the read because now, guys, we need to uh, answer him. So what I'm going to tell you, I bought an expensive Lacey uh, Thunderbolt and USB 3 interface, and the bad news was that it had a crap drive inside it. It was a Western Digital. No, it wasn't. It was a Seagate. That when I put the serial number into into Google to find out what it was, it had a it had an astronomical fail failure rate. Uh, so, I would say, I I would do your research and Google hard drive failure rates. That's a good place to start in terms of protocol. In my tests, USB three is as fast as Thunderbolt, but for $100 less. Uh, okay, I'm going to pitch in. And with... I wouldn't go for an SSD to back up to, because no. it's just backup. Uh, and I, I'm going to pitch in with the one that's uh, by my feet, currently running my entire system, and that an is... OWC. Yes, it's an OWC. Uh, it's called... Oh, is an, that how you say it? I thought it was OWC. Yes. It's an, uh, hang on, let me just have a quick look at it. It's... OWC. Divida. It's an elite, a Mercury Elite Pro Jewel. Uh, it can Ooh. be, it, you can raid it in many different raid configurations. Uh, you can go all the way up to, I think they go all the way up to 24 terabytes, if that's your your thing. Um, it's Thunderbolt. They do a, a USB version, a USB 3 version. Uh, it's never skipped a beat for me. Uh, there's a review on the site. I'm sure whoever's putting the show notes together will find it for you and it will appear in the show notes. Um, it's very good. Check them out. They do a lots, lots and lots of different drives and configurations depending on what you need. I would certainly not hesitate in uh, recommending you put your hard-earned shekels towards the good folks at OWC, which stands for Other World Computing. Mm. I just use spinning rust still, uh, main media drive, and then I've got I've got an old uh, Mac Pro, so I've got four bays in there. So one main media, one, uh, one that, uh, another drive that's exactly the same size. Can't remember off the top of my head. Three gigs, three ter- oh, I can't remember three terabytes, three three or four, something like that. Um, that's mirrored, so it just makes a copy of it. But then I've got another drive that is mirrored from the main, and that's just an external Western Digital. Uh, drive. I don't do ba- uh, off off site uh, backup. Uh, so yes, you I have gamble. no backup then. I have no backup apparently, but I do if it's the drive failure. Yes. Do you take him down the house? Do you take him down to the house when you leave the studio? No, studio is so secure, Russ. So secure. Three locks. Not if on it catches it. fire, it's not. It does when I turn the electrics off. I'm not going to catch fire when I turn the electrics off. Lightning. So, 
Anyway. Chipmunk smoking. This is a Faraday cage, James. Remember how I built it? <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not going to burn down. Anywho. Famous lost words. Yes, uh, let's, let's do, not do your re- as I say, I would check failure rates on drives for choosing brands. That's a good place to start. Because in a sense, it's a bit like audio interfaces. They're all pretty good. Just make sure that what's inside them isn't hasn't had a massive failure rate. As I say, you can even look it up to the, to the serial number of the drive which is how I found out why my expensive Lacey, which was a beautiful chassis, had great protocols, but the drive inside, it was the cheap bit. Uh, so be very careful when you buy these kind of like sexy looking drives that look amazing. Find out what's inside them if you can. Uh, that would be my major piece of advice. Guys, we've gone over time. It just must be these amazing uh, jokes we've been telling tonight. Anyway, <laughs> uh, I need to remind everybody as well now that we kind of we kind of improved our syndication of the, of the podcast. So you can now listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, Podbean, Stitcher, about 40 different services. So, wow. and you can still download it. Listen at leisure, uh, whatever suits you. But we need to get on to, uh, uh, need to get on to our find of the week. But before we get to find of the week, Dan, mention Source Elements. Total's expert podcast is created using Source Connect Now from Source Elements. Register now for your free account at now.source-elements.com. So if you've ever tried to do interviews over the internet with apps like Skype, you will know how hit and miss the audio quality and connection can be. Uh, Even on a good day, it isn't really good enough for a long-form interview. We now use Source Connect Now, which uh, offers ISDN equivalent quality audio using a Chrome browser. No software to install. To get your free account, follow the link in the podcast notes. Let's go on to Final of the Week. This is sponsored by UJAM. UJAM Instruments plugins are your studio companions. Always on call when you want to write, play and record tracks. Take seat in the producer's chair and tell your player what you need. This means a maximum of musical and sonic integrity and versatility and a minimum of your precious energy required to get there. Discover our virtual instruments at UJAM.com. Dan, what's your find of the week? Oh, uh, Zanaptic last week released a new plugin. It wasn't the Vocoder that they were previewing at NAM this year, which was a bit of a shame because it feels like we've been waiting for that for some time. Subtle uh, hint there, subtle yeah, hint. Yeah, some time. But Get your shit together. Yeah, come on. Instead, they released something that I think was a, a lot better. Uh, intensity. A fantastic uh, kind of mix bus uh, master processing tool. It's not Dynamics. It's uh, I think it's powered on uh, flux capacitors and anything that can take you to the moon and back in half that a second. That sounds, sounds like anything by Synaptic to me. <laughs> I sat in the I sat in the DeLorean from Back to the Future on Saturday at a show. Cool. They're mm. shite cars, you know, actually, in real life. But that's yeah. a different conversation. But carry on, Dan, about intensity. Yeah, it's it's a very cool plugin. It's based on facial recognition algorithms. Uh, so obviously when I loaded this up, I was smiling at it all morning and nothing happens. Luckily, it's a very simple plugin to use. You just twist an intensity knob and it, everything sounds better. Full stop. It's just one of those fantastic little simple plugins that does a lot of stuff in the background that, you know, I don't really care about. Does my mix sound better because I've used it? Yes. Have I used it every day since I got it last week? Yes. Absolutely adore it. Definitely worth a try. I think it's one of Synapse's best plugins to date by a long way. 
And that credit, credit where credit's due, Dan found something that was we felt was slightly wrong in the product. So Dan reached out to them when we after we'd done the review and showed them the review before we published it. And they responded and told yeah. us exactly why Dan's findings were correct and why it was the case that it didn't work as expected. Mm. Uh, which is, I like, I like a brand that does that. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And this was the first uh, Zanaptic plugin uh, with a manual that didn't melt my brain. <laughs> uh. usually get a big headache when I read Zanaptic manuals. You get to the end going, I've got more questions than I had before I started this one. No, very, very straightforward. Definitely worth trying out. James, what's your final of the week? Uh, so uh, it finally happened this week. Uh, I had a, a package arrive from the US of America um, from our friends at Slate Digital. And in there was not but one, not two, not three, but four of their brand spanking new small diaphragm condenser microphones, the ML2, uh, along with a software license for the new classic instrument mic collection pack Whoopee. thing. Um, it was announced a little while ago, but it's now here. It is lovely. And I, I tell you what... Um, it, it's been worth the wait. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. The only problem is I now need another four. But anyway, moving on. Uh, no, really, really great. You should check out the review. Um, if you don't have the budget for a large microphone collection, check this thing out. It is very, very cool. James, uh, still no word on the audio interface. Um, wasn't this no, supposed to be all part of that? Nothing yet. The interesting thing, of course, is that I I don't the, the original ML one, the large diaphragm, shipped with the Slate preamp, which was hmm. um, an ultra linear desktop, thing, desktop preamp. Yeah. Now the ML one doesn't require such preamps. What I didn't do in, in the in the review or the tests was put a preamp into the virtual mix rack, which you probably should do if you're using the Slate Pre. And you probably will do when you use it with the VM VMR8 system, the, 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 the hardware interface. But we don't have one of those yet. So we can't say so, but I think that's going to be the main difference. But to be honest, through the console, they sounded great. The mic models sounded really good. Whether you think they sound like the real thing or not, I don't care. It's variation and it's lots of different ideas and takes you in different directions. It's very, very cool. Now, ladies and gentlemen out there in podcast land, he's kept it quiet. But today, the day of the po the podcast um, publishing is the big man in the room, Mr. Russ Hughes's birthday. Oh. 27. Amazing. Eh? Not out. That, yeah. well, well, we might have to edit that one out. 52, guys. 52. <laughs> this, this 52. The answer to the, no, that was 42, wasn't it? Um, happy birthday, mate. Yeah, happy birthday, Thanks, mate. Guys. Thanks for having That's... us around last week. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was all right. A very rare yeah. occurrence yeah. that the, the yeah. team was in the same room at the same Cleaning time. Cleaning crew is gone, so which is great since <laughs> having you here. We weren't that uh, bad. Yeah. Right then. Uh, yeah, so my find of the week is Julian's math trick. Uh, <laughs> checking the polarity of your mics just using a, using your mouth. Which I love Julian. He's just full of these really cool little kind of like, you know, like Blue Peter tricks. 
is it for those that don't listen in the UK? Blue Peter was this show that used to show you how to build a nuclear reactor with uh, two toilet roll holders and a sticky back plastic. board. Yeah, yeah I built a, the Tracy Island. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. Maybe me and my wife were talking about this. They they must have thought that every family in the world had all the stuff they were about to use to make those things, and so there were all these kids going, "Parents, I can't do it." Anyway, we're way over time. Julian's going to be frantically trying to edit this down. Don't you dare, Julian, if you value. Your hair. Anything. Anything. Yeah. Your beard. Your beards, yeah. Yeah, we will, we will torch your beard if you try to do this down. Uh, yeah, this may be used in court against me. So check out his polarity checking with your mouth trick. It's just really cool. It's on the site. Check it out. Uh, and those birthday... Uh, in the comments, wish Russ a happy birthday. Yeah. Do it. Anyway. Thank you, guys. Uh, that's it I'm going off to have a birthday drink it's good night from me it's good night from me and it's good night from me good night <laughs> <laughs>